0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Show right here on Cave Air Radio
2: Network. I'm your host, John. We're with you till 11 o'clock tonight. If you want to join the show, you certainly can. 646 668 2372. That's 646 668 2372. We have a packed show tonight, folks. We got G1 Climax coming up next week in Dallas. We'll get into that in a little bit. We have anniversary to get into as well. We also have a guest joining us tonight. Chris Van Bleet will be joining the show at nine thirty tonight. In hour number two, we got Fighter Fest talk. Yes, AEW held their latest event this past weekend. And towards the end of the show tonight, we'll get into some WWE talk as Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff both have assumed new roles as executive directors. And now let me bring on the cast of characters. First off, let me bring on my esteemed co-host, Cruz. Cruz, how you doing?
3: Hey, I'm doing fine, bub. How are you?
2: Doing well. Sorry. Sorry for a little bit of a delay, but glad we. But looks like we have actually a few people who want to get on the phone with us tonight, Cruz.
3: <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. I, well,
2: how have you been, by the way? I haven't spoken to you in a couple of days.
3: Uh, this has been a very wonderful week, very productive week on my end. Uh, very interesting times in the world of wrestling. A lot of interesting news has come out. Uh, yes. Japan in the United States and in Mexico. So, guys, you're in for a show tonight.
2: Yeah, and actually, before we even bring on the other two people who want to join us, Cruz, I actually have some good news. Looked at our numbers from last week's show, and our show from last week was our highest number of listens we've ever had on this show.
3: That's awesome. That's awesome. Continued growth.
2: Yeah. It's small. It's baby steps, but I just wanted to bring that out quickly that I want to thank our fans who have stuck by our side through everything. You guys are what's making the show start to hit its stride, which I think, Cruz, you can back me up on this if you want, but I think it's really starting to hit hit its stride right now.
3: This is fun. This is fun. And it's infectious, and that other people are catching on, no surprise to me. We're doing good. I've got a lot to say about G1 Climax, because this card is phenomenal. Holy... <laughs> all, all the curse words all put together there at once. Jesus well, let, Christ.
2: Before we get to that, let's bring on the other two people tonight. We'll bring on sure. Jeremy right here. Jeremy, how you doing?
1: Good. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me back.
2: Not a problem. Not a problem. I Welcome, think we Jeremy. Have one, I think we also have one more person. I think it's Mitch. If, the, if that's who I think it is. Let me... See who this who this is. Hold on. Hey, Mitch. Yo. What's going on? What's going on, bud? Nothing. Wow. Welcome, Mitch. Full cast tonight. Yeah. Holy moly. Full cast tonight, but yeah. So, in case people don't know, one of ours truly will actually be at the G1 climax in Dallas next week, and that's Cruz himself.
3: Yes sir. But yes sir.
2: We'll get we'll, we'll start off with that quickly. Cruz, did you'll be at the event? I'll let you take the lead on this one.
3: Listen, everybody is stepping up this summer. I don't I am so happy for this. If you are a wrestling fan, you have to pay attention. Every promotion has stepped it up. New Japan with G1 Climax Day number 1, 9 matches starting off. Guerrillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga, and Tangaloa against Roppongi. Sho and Yo, right? Two hot tag teams. You know they're going to throw it down. Okay, second match. Shota Imuno and, and Ishii versus Narita and Jeff Cobb. Remember what I told you about Jeff Cobb having a busy summer, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, third match. The Bullet Club versus Chaos. Chase Owens, Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Goto fourth match, which I'm particularly interested in. This is a three-on-three match, a six-man tag match. Uh, Yushin Thunder Liger, Deuce Robinson, and Taro Yano versus the LIJ, Bushi Shingo, and Naito, which, come on, man, I mean, we go to New Japan events to see New Japan wrestlers, and that's it. And then, of course, you have the five... Yeah, that's going to be sick, Mitch, right? (laughs) Uh, The five matches that were advertised for the actual G1 tournament uh, Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer Evil versus Bad Luck Fale Sanada who is one of the favorites to win this block versus Zack Zaber Jr. Kota Ibushi another favorite versus Tenta formerly known as Hideo Itami and the main event Okada versus Tanahashi in Dallas, bro. For what I paid for a ticket, you gotta be kidding me. I'm getting my money first.
4: Of course. How I just want to go back.
2: Cruz, that was the deal.
3: Yes. No, that was. How
4: much? How much did you pay for the ticket?
3: Would well, right sweat around two hundred something, two
4: thirty. Okay. You know, That's not bad.
3: I'm going alone? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) No, no,
4: are you on the floor? uh,
3: On the floor, aisle seat, uh, row M, right next to the aisle. So I'll be on TV and high-fiving the wrestlers as they come up and down the the aisle. Yeah. That's That's
2: cool. I just want to go quickly. You said Bullet Club's taking on chaos, right? Yes. Didn't they just make some news recently from New Japan latest show that you just did in, uh, uh, what's it, in Australia? Didn't somebody <laughs> just turn on Bullet
3: Club? Yeah. Yeah. What was his name? It wasn't, it wasn't Gino Gambino. It was that, uh, uh, what was Robbie some Eagles. Some
2: known name.
3: Robbie Eagles. Yeah, that's Robbie. right. He, uh, yeah. I just, I just, to be quite honest with you, he wasn't a good fit in a Bullet Club. He, he just never really got him, his, his, his niche there, so I think this is a better move for him in Chaos. Uh, he's a young wrestler, you know. There's a lot of established names in Chaos. It's a better fit for him over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, to me, from what I saw from him, he really didn't come off to me as somebody who was really finding his foot in when he was with Bullet Club. So him, to him turning and joining Chaos really. Shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, you went over the card. I mean, I don't see there being one bad match on that card.
3: I I, I don't think so. And in the New Japan format, you know, the first half of the pay per view is always going to be these uh, tag team matches and three on three matches. But you know, that's that's how they keep people in. I, I guess pace in, yeah, fast paced, and that's how they keep them in combat in, in wrestling form, right? and save them for the big, bigger matches. They're going to come. So we're in G1 season. G1 match uh, events happen every two to three days from now until the final. So there you go. Most of most of July and into a little bit of August, you're going to have excellent wrestling from New Japan consistently. So that's that's huge. Yeah. I, I don't
4: know if you guys heard, but uh, AAA is doing like an event on August 3rd, I think it is against AEW, and all, like, the matches are, like, are gonna, are stacked up.
3: Yeah, so yeah, we're we're gonna get into that one when we talk about AEW, because I'm, I'm all over that one right there, bro. I, yeah, I am yeah. Mr. Lucha Libre. I saw the card, I saw the
4: card, <laughs> I have the card actually right here on my phone, I took a uh, screenshot of the card, and I'm like, oh my god, like, this card is stacked up, and I just saw it on, uh. On Facebook before, maybe I deleted it. Um, that uh, that MJF, I oh know I have it right here. That we're talking about uh, the, on a, on, a, on a radio show with Boy Ray. That he said that that Double or Nothing was better than the original One Night Stand. Yeah, well,
3: uh, wow, yeah. Wow, that's huge. <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, I, I mean, that
2: doesn't surprise me. But no, I'm I'm very curious to see with this G one, especially with the fact of you got Gorilla's Destiny in there. And you know how you know how I feel about them Cruz. I mean I pretty much I feel like I praise those guys every time we get the opportunity to talk about them. I'm curious to see if coming out of this if we get our next challenger for them for the IWGP tag team titles.
3: Interesting. Interesting. Think about it. Think
2: about it, they ha- they've gone through Everybody right now in New Japan They've pretty much gone through most of the people In Ring of Honor I wonder if, they u- if New Japan uses this As a way to build up a team That coming out of this tournament Can turn around to You know, girls, Tomatonga and Tonga And challenge them for the belts Down the road Because you gotta realize Who else at this point is gonna challenge them That would make even remote sense
3: That's an interesting question because they're so dominant. There is no other team close to them, so they're pretty much like the Usos in the WWE, and like LAX and Impact. Yeah, you know. So the wrestling fan in me would love to see an inter-promotional match between any two of those teams. But if we're talking strictly in New Japan, uh, this this is. This is why the G1 is so important. A lot of the storylines that will un- unfold over the next six months will start here. So maybe Rapongi 3K wins this first match. Well, they're guaranteed, if they beat the, the champions, they're guaranteed a championship match at some point in the future. And that's that's how it works. So don't sleep. The yeah, Bullet they- Club can always Throw Chase Owens and Phantasmo uh, together
2: Yeah but I mean I'm just saying to me it, I think this is where they have to do it For the reason why I mentioned before They went through pretty much everybody In New Japan They went through everybody in Ring of Honor basically The only way we get a, a match For them outside of this Is if Grills definitely decide To show up at AEW Or Impact which AEW possibly could happen. I don't see it happening, unfortunately, for Impact. But that's the only way we're really going to get a fresh match.
3: But the
4: Briscoes.
3: Done, go, done, the Briscoes could that. show and up there.
2: I get that. And to me, I, to me Briscoes and Girls' Destiny are... I'm, I'm interested
4: in that match. So what was it, Mitch? I, I don't know if you're up for going because it's going to be in our backyard. I don't know if you're up for going to uh, Hammerstein in, uh, in the um, city it's in like three weeks. Yeah, I know. I heard the Briscoes
2: are taking on the Grills of Destiny. It's
4: going to be a man.
2: I'm not. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, no, look into it. But my thing is this, though. How many times can we do Briscoes versus Grills of Destiny before it becomes stale? Again, I'm not taking anything away from both teams. I think they're both of the top teams in the... When you, when you look at tag team wrestling from an overall perspective, those so, Briscoe's and Girls of Destiny are, are in the top top 10, top 5. But how many times can you do that before it's like, okay, we get the point? It's the same thing in WWE when they were doing New Day versus The Bar. I felt like every pay-per-view was like, okay, we get it. You have nobody else. You're just going to keep reusing, reusing, reusing. Eventually, it's going to become stale.
4: Yeah.
2: But Jeremy, what are your thoughts on this whole thing?
1: Uh, you know, there's a team out there that has kind of started a, a Twitter feed with them a couple months ago. Enzo and Kaz, if they can get their oh. act together, I think you got a match right there. That, yeah,
2: forgot about them. Hey, so did I.
1: There you go. I, I mean, they started it uh, in Manhattan,
2: and yeah, then they oh, had yeah, Twitter beef going for
1: a couple weeks.
2: Yeah, they started when, uh, when we they there. decided to crash the G1 uh, card. Yeah. And that was... But, that was
4: really like- you know, now they're, they're all doing we're there. Different shows. Yeah, no, now yep. they're yeah.
1: doing different shows. I haven't really so seen... I'd like to see that match.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't be a terrible match, honestly. That would not... My only thing is that you'd have to... I think you'd have to almost build up end zone big casts. And I think they lost a lot of credibility, especially Enzo did, when he left WWE. Because of everything
1: that happened. Oh, they, I agree. That's why I, I said a question. If they get their act together.
3: I got a question yeah. for the three of you. Just okay. how good will the Will Ospreay-Lance Archer match be after this little Twitter war with Seth Rollins? And Will Ospreay wanting to show the world <laughs> that he is a top-level wrestler. Just... What do you predict this is going to look like?
1: Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I think it's going to be phenomenal because it always is with Osprey. But I'll admit, part of me was so disappointed about him accepting Rollins' apology this week because I think that will take a little steam off of it. But anybody yeah, who knows Osprey; he's going to put on a five-star performance each and every time. Yeah, I, absolutely. But,
4: the first, the first but, time I saw him, I, I, uh, I was at. Uh, John, I think, no, you weren't there with me. What um, is <clears> that? Sorry, my voice is worse from a uh, final battle Two years ago at uh, <clears throat> And I'm like, this guy is fucking phenomenal, like live, and he just put on a five star match. It was, it was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Oh, I, I think. I think,
2: Cruz, to answer your question I think it's going to be a great match I mean, I think I don't know if Will Ospreay really Prove anything Because I mean, he's proven enough And But I think this whole match, I think I mean, it's going it's to definitely give Ospreay Some more exposure To people who, who may not have known of him Beforehand But have started to know of him Due to the whole Twitter feud with Seth So I think it's going to definitely help him. But I don't think he really has to prove it. I mean, this guy's done so much between New Japan and, you know, Ring of Honor that it's like, what else does this guy have to prove? But to to answer your question, I really am looking forward to his match. I don't know much about Lance Archer, though. I have to look into him a little bit more before the G1. But... Let's go over now quickly to Slammiversary, as that will be Cruiser. That, that's the day after the G1, right?
3: Right, so G1 you know, is on, on Saturday.
4: Uh, that's on the 7th.
3: Slammiversary is on Sunday, this Sunday.
4: Yeah, and I was uh, I went to the uh, both shows at uh, Melrose Ballroom a couple weeks ago, and uh, they were meeting up, and I went to both shows because the tickets were just so cheap. For both shows, it was like 50 bucks for, for both days. And they were both beating up. It was my anniversary. Like The first match on Friday's show was like LAX. And LAX put on like a five-star match. It was one of the best tag matches I have seen against uh, uh, the three other guys. I forget who the name was. Um... But the shows now on uh to be uh, on uh, whatever they show it on, but uh but it was one of the best nights
2: of Impact Wrestling that I've seen live. Yeah, it's to me Slammiversary this year looks good. It looks uh, the one match I'm very curious to see, especially the fact that their contracts are up soon. I'm curious to see LAX versus the Rascals. I think you're that going to have – I, I, I think you have an upstart team there and the Rascals who are going to be
4: – Yeah, John, John, that John, that, yeah, that That was the first match of the night. Um, <coughs> oh, That's right. It yeah, was my a thing great
2: like the, match.
4: It was one of the best matches I'm curious, I've ever seen, like, forever.
2: Uh, what I'm curious to see with that one is if LAX loses, is that going to be a sign that they – did not renew that contract. With impact. That's one thing I, I I'm see.
4: Uh, yeah. And I'm I'm, I, I'm interested in uh Brian Cage lose his title because he put on a damn good promo. And yeah. he got he got thrown through a table at the end of the night. And uh, you know, he got back. Out of the jail and so start throwing shit like punches and all that. Like, like, it was one of the best nights I've ever seen on an indie car. Well, not really an indie, indie company, but it was like leading up towards Slammiversary because it was a major pay per view. But they did a great card from top
3: to bottom. Okay, yeah, let's uh, get through these matches really quick. Okay, at Slammiversary, yeah. you have Eddie Iwerks versus Killer Cross, First Blood singles match. Oh. You have Sammy Callahan versus Texas Blanchard in an intergender singles match. Right. LAX, Ortiz-Santano versus The Raffles, Desmond Xavier, Trey Miguel. You have Taya Valkyrie versus Rosemary versus Sue Young versus Jessica Havoc in a 4 ways monster ball match yep. for the Knockouts Championship, which is going to be excellent. I, I'm looking forward to that because they have just been Good for the last 12 months. Jesus Christ. Their women's division is red hot too. Moose versus Rob Van Dam. Always, you know, hey, oh. the new wrestler versus the old school wrestler. That's always fun. Uh, Rich Swan versus Johnny Impact for the Impact X Division Championship. You know that's going to be a slobber knocker and, and a, a high-flying Lucha Libre-esque match. And then the big slobber knocker. Brian Cage versus Michael Elgin for the Impact World Championship. Seven good matches there. I, Impact, Ooh, that's, great, that's a, great card. Guitar. Yep. Um,
2: card. <clears throat> I'm. I'm. I mean, you, you know, Elgin and Cage are gonna put on. Or you're you gonna have two big guys going at it. So that's gonna that's gonna be a good match. I mean, Cruz, you pretty much touched on it with, you know, Impact and Rich Swan. That's gonna basically be a high spot affair. Yeah, between those two guys. Like I said before, I'm curious to see what happens with the Rascals in LAX. To me, Moose and Rob Van Dam. Okay, that's to me, it, it, that's gonna be basically a passing of the torch type of match. And you know,
4: you know, so seeing these guys come back from, you know, seeing them in ECW like Sabu was there, like, and uh, Sandman was there also. Man, I'm telling yep. you, they, their, their aging is horrible. Like, you would not see these guys as like 60 year olds You would like see them as like 70-year-olds.
2: No, it's... Because it, 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 the thing is, you gotta realize, when you've been wrestling as long as those guys have been, it's in your blood. No, I know. And, so it's so when you have a guy like Rob Van Dam who's wrestling and he's in his forties now, you got guys like Sandman and Sabu, who are still going out in the ring. I mean, crap! doesn't. What doesn't Terry Funk still wrestle once in a while? They're
4: just trying to work out the young guys, you know. I mean, they're just trying to help them out, and I get it. And well, but these guys just to need tired.
2: But you got to realize also, it's a way to get the younger guys the rub. Think about it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Look
2: at what. Look at what they did in WWE with Baron Corbin. Everybody, everybody, including me, I, on this specific show, I shitted on the fact that Baron Corbin was going up against Kurt Angle at Mania. But when yeah. you really think about oh, it, it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything about the, about the way it was built or anything. I thought, thought he was the wrong opponent. But when you right. look at it in the sense that we're talking about, like with Moose and Van Damme. To me it's the young it's the young guy trying to get the rub off the veteran. And in this and, case, and I mean buddy, you, you don't But the thing is uh, Mitch, let me just finish my point here for a second. You don't look at somebody uh, like Moose you don't look at somebody like Moose as being a rookie anymore. I mean the guy's been wrestling now for at least a good couple years. of years.
4: Yeah. But the up.
2: Yeah, but when you're going up against somebody like Rob Van Dam, who's been in this industry since the 90s, unfortunately Moose is kind of the quote unquote the rookie here, still trying to get the run in a weird kind of way. It,
4: it's it's also like when you when you bring back Taker, and I know that Dagger's going to be in extreme rules, but it's like I you you see like you saw like last week. You saw Taker like walking slowly up the ramp to kind a of promo in between his entrance. and his, and his uh, and his entrance. Yeah. No, uh, uh, i mm-hmm. this guy's Retired.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, know. I completely. know. <coughs> so we. Just a quick programming note: We'll be joined by Chris Van Fleet in about five minutes or so. So, stay tuned for that because that's gonna be a fun interview, uh, Cruz, I just wanted to bring up one thing quickly regarding Christian Van Vliet before we bring him when we, when we bring him on in a couple minutes we've interviewed a lot of people on this show mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm nervous about Van Vliet because to me it's just the same interview type of thing but this to me just seems so different in, in, a, in a good kind of way I guess
3: I want you to get into the mindset of uh, you're going to express a little bit of gratitude for what he does. You're going to expose him to our listeners, so helping our listeners. Just get into a selfless sort of place, okay. and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You've done a great job before, and we're going to continue on. One, two, two things. The two guests have to go on mute. When Chris comes on, because I'm hearing feedback from one of them.
4: Probably right.
3: like me, a, like an like an echo.
4: Yeah, I hear yeah, it too. Yeah, I'm
2: hearing that too. All right, yeah, I think that's the way we do it. Once, once, um, Chris, actually speaking of him, he's he's on right now. So Jeremy and Mitch, I'm gonna put you guys on mute for a little bit, okay? okay.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, right. guys. Cruz, you ready? Yes, sir.
2: Let's do this. We're now being joined. You can... He has his own podcast now, which you'll get to as well, called The Chris Van Wheat Show. You can get that on iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcast. He has a YouTube channel, YouTube channel, and we are honored... And excited for him to join us this evening, Chris Van Bleet. Chris, it's Cruz and John. How are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. No, we, we thank you we for being have, here.
2: Yep, we appreciate it greatly. Uh, Chris, let's start off with this. What got you into wrestling originally? What was your earliest memory of wrestling?
0: I've been a I've been a lifelong fan, like like you guys are, I'm sure, like anyone listening to this. But my first memory was. Watching it at Grandma and Grandpa's house at Beyond and on Saturday and just, you know, seeing the larger-than-life characters. Like, I grew up with Hogan and Macho Man, and I was always fascinated by the, you know, the, the kind of secondary characters, the comical characters like Repo Man and Coco Beware, loved Jake the Snake. But it wasn't really for me till the Attitude Era that I really dove in and, like, became, like, the obsessive, <laughs> crazy fan that I am now. Um, watching Raw, and then watching the repeat of Raw the next day, flicking between Nitro, watching Thunder and uh, ECW on Friday, and then Heat and, and Jacked and Metal on weekends. Like, that's when, you know, 15, 16 years old, that's when I became a real, you know, hardcore fan.
2: So so it's safe to say you were a WWF fan growing up then.
0: I was, uh, yeah, I was a WWF fan. And then, honestly, though, when I, when I was... 15, 16, I was just a wrestling fan, which is what I am now. Like, just whatever was out there. Like when I, when you're, when I was a kid, you know, like five, six, seven, eight years old, when I first was introduced to wrestling, I didn't know there was anything outside of WWF at the time. But uh, you know, when I really got into it, I, I just I would watch absolutely anything I could get my hands on, whether it was WWF at the time, WCW. Uh, I loved watching ECW as well. I would just take in any of it that I could.
2: And did you ever think when you were younger that when you grew up, you'd be essentially doing this for a living, working in the wrestling industry?
0: Well, it was actually my dream to be a pro wrestler. Like, I got so into it. Uh, I was a backyard wrestler in, in, like, 15, 16, 17 years old. It was my dream. Like, when I graduated from high school, I wanted to, you know, be a pro wrestler. I went to wrestling school for a little while. And, you know, it didn't really work out because I had to balance um, – going to college and doing wrestling school and something had to give. And I just figured probably made sense at that time of my life to, you know, finish my college degree. And, you know, that helped me get to where I'm at now in the broadcasting world. But, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy to look up to these guys my entire life, these men and women. And, you know, now I'm able to, you know, have these lengthy conversations with them and ask them the questions I've, you know, always want to know the answers to. And it's, that's yeah, been pretty surreal.
2: Who's the in your in the people you've interviewed? Who was the I'm trying to figure how to phrase. This. Who was the most difficult one to interview? <laughs> most, most challenging. To, I, have <laughs> say,
0: I have to say most of them are like you know most of them are pretty good. Most of them are pretty great. I've been really fortunate that you know I think when when they see that there's a camera on them and they know that there's the ability to promote whatever it is they're promoting, put themselves over if you will. Um, they've all gone pretty well, but if you watch my interview with Evan Bourne, it's just uh, it's just an interesting interview, and uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. I certainly didn't, you know. If you watch the interview, it's just a little off. He's he's answering questions I'm not really answer or asking, and that's just a bit strange. So I'd love to, I'd love another chat with Matt Seidel, Evan Bourne, and you know I'd love to you know either see what happened there or you know if that's the same case again. That's okay. I just, I
2: mean, I, I was watching a lot of your interviews recently, and the one I got that seemed the most challenging was MJF.
0: Well, yeah, um, <laughs> MJF's uh, boy—he's a—he's an interesting guy, isn't he? Um, <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: I <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from that interview either, and uh, I I can't uh, I can't say I've ever been in an interview before where uh, someone has ordered room service that arrived during the middle of the interview and then they proceeded to eat it uh, while the interview was happening. So um, yeah, yeah, that's gotta be my new, uh, that's gotta be my new, at least most recent answer. MJF. What a, what
2: an interesting guy. And yeah, what you see was, is what you get with that guy. Yeah. Oh no, I definitely, you were saying before about how when you were growing up, you became a wrestling then just because of how you had WWF, you had WCW, you had ECW, Looking at the landscape now with WWE, AEW, do you think it's different now because there's so many more promotions? Well, I think
0: this week with Raw and SmackDown is uh, that's that's got to be a, a direct result of AEW having, you know, their second show with Friday Fest. Um, Raw was super interesting. Some stuff happened on SmackDown that we certainly did not expect. Um, I think that, you know, I think the phrase rising tides lift all boats is really applicable here. Uh, If AEW is coming in and raising the game, the Indies are better than they've ever been. I think that uh, it's the best case scenario for wrestling fans. And it's the best case scenario for wrestling. You know, if you were an independent wrestler 10, 15 years ago and you weren't hired by WWE, you know, you probably had another job. You probably had another job, and you wrestled on weekends. Nowadays, you know, there's lots of examples of it. The Young Bucks are an example before they went off and did their own thing. Joey Ryan's an example now. Will Ospreay's an example of people who don't need to be signed to a major company, and they're probably making more than if they were signed.
2: Well, could, you could also, if you and I agree with what you're saying, but you could also throw Cody into that mix. Cody was with WWE. Sure. He decided to bet on himself. And look at what he's done now. I mean, he's pretty much, you can almost say, changed the landscape of wrestling in the time span of six months.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. For the last six months, you know, AEW has been the conversation uh, of every wrestling fan. And the reality is they've only had two shows in the last five weeks. But we've been talking about them for six months. And uh, it's just a super exciting time to see what happens, you know, from here on out. I'm really, really excited. I think the real, you know, the real tell will be in October to see how uh, how they do with television and how the the TV product is, and um, you know what we can expect week to week with that.
2: Well, I'm, there's a few things, William. I'm very curious to see how. And let me actually, I'll get, I'll ask you this one then. If you're AEW, and I don't know if this question's been brought up or not, but we've been talking about this on the show, on this show specifically the last couple of weeks. How do you attract a casual fan who may not know of the brand or who's sitting on their couch and slipping through the channels and goes to TNT and goes, Oh, look, there's wrestling. To me, that's the one thing I'm curious to see how they're going to pull that off.
0: And I think that that's just going to be a matter of time. Um, I think that there's a real distinction made between a wrestling fan and a WWE fan. And I think that, You know, I was at Fighter Fest, I was at Double or Nothing, both were great shows, Um, and I think that your crowd there is mostly filled with wrestling fans. I don't think someone, you know, in the neighborhood uh, looks in the local newspaper or looks online and goes, oh, there's this wrestling show this weekend, let's go, honey. I think that that does happen with WWE, though. I think that people go to WWE in the same way that they would go to the movies. They go, oh, great, or like go to the circus. Oh, great, there's something to do in town this Friday, or, 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 or it will be Friday, or this Monday. Let's go. You know, uh, Wrestling's always a good time You know, to bring the family. That's, that's not the audience that AEW has right now. And I think that uh, they're not going to attract the casual fan right for, uh, for now. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's going to take some time to build up. It's going to take some time for people to even realize that there is an alternative out there. I mean, your average uh, fan out there, or
2: TV watcher, still doesn't even know that Impact exists, and that's been around for, what, 15 years. Yeah. Well, that's usually because they're not on a channel that most people get. Well, they did for a while. I mean, they were on Spike for a long,
0: long time. Uh, They even tried to go head-to-head with Raw for a while. For a short while, uh, but yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, Impact is <laughs> Impact is now on a station that we've only heard of because Impact's on it.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you look at what Impact's been doing now. I mean, they've been putting on great matches and great storylines. But the problem is, when you're on a channel that three people in America get, it's really tough for people to, you know, gravitate to you when most people don't even know what channel you're on anymore.
0: Well, that's why this deal with TNT was so massive, you know, for them oh, to yeah. be on for them to be on a network that everybody's heard of, for them to be on a network that has a history with wrestling with WCW. Um, AEW has certainly set themselves up for success, and whether you're a wrestling fan, a WWE fan or whatever, I feel like everybody should be rooting for AEW because if they succeed, then everybody is forced to get better.
2: Well, do you think them going to TNT had anything to do with Ted Turner wanting to get back into the wrestling industry?
0: That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I would have to think that, you know, he would have, he'd have some say in that. Sure. Um, I would also think that uh, Tony Khan would be aware that um, Ted Turner and TNT would be wrestling friendly. Um, Yeah, this will be, I'm just super excited. I'm just, it's such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And, uh, I think we're going to remember 2019 when we watch documentaries about wrestling in 10 and 20 and 30 years. Like this is going to be such a big year for the wrestling world.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I completely agree. I mean, we've been we've been talking about it on the show. We think this summer alone is what's going to really define the whole wrestling landscape. When it seems like every promotion is picking up their their you know picking up their levels when it comes to putting on a better show.
0: Yeah, I mean right before I interviewed Cody, right before Double or Nothing, I said to him, You guys kinda coincidentally picked the best possible week to launch. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't by design, but it was it was the same week where Brock Lesnar won the money in the bank contract and everyone was so upset about that. And it was the the next night on Raw that they introduced the twenty four seven title, which is you know, turned into you know, be very entertaining. But at the time, uh it got is when Nick Foley introduced it and people thought the belt looked ugly and they wished that it was the hardcore title. Like there was just a lot of um, a lot of people that were just disappointed in the product at the time and expected more. And it was like the absolute perfect timing for AEW to come in and have their
2: first show. Yeah, I mean I was fortunate enough to be there at you know at Double or Nothing and to me it just seemed like I've been to WWE events over the years, especially you know, living up on Long Island go to the Coliseum to the garden and stuff like that. And there's times where you're sitting there you're like, Oh great, another three matches to go. When I was at double or nothing, I sat there and I was like when all of a sudden after uh, John Moxley had debuted, I sat there and I'm like, Oh, this is over? Like I was kinda of bummed yeah. out when it was done.
0: Yeah. Yeah it was uh it was next level. You know, it it's uh just the what they had going on in the ring there uh, was really special. Every match, every single match on the card was entertaining from start to finish. And Tony Khan uh, said it uh, when he spoke to the media on Saturday after Fight Fest, he said he wants to make the shows. And when television starts to be the same thing, he wants to make them wrestling heavy. And he wants to make them like ninety percent wrestling, ten percent promos. And if they do that, if, I mean, think of what a crazy concept, right? Making a wrestling show yeah. that actually has a lot of wrestling
2: on it—it's crazy.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. but, hey, look what,
0: that's basically what NXT is Yeah, you're totally right it's, it's exactly what ECW was And Tony Khan was a massive ECW fan um, So it'll be really interesting um, You know, and if there's this much excitement now And we're still a couple months away from you know, I, I just hope that this excitement continues to ramp up And uh, I'm sure they'll have big things in store All Out, and I'm sure there'll be big things in store when uh, TV
2: starts too. Well, speaking about All Out, I want to get your take on this, because this seems to be like the biggest topic of conversation. When it comes to the eight... (laughs) 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 Actually, I won't be surprised if that happens. I really at this point, we on on this show, um, I think a week before Double or Nothing, we were making our predictions about who we think is going to make their debut and the whole nine yards. And I turned around on the show and I said, "Don't be surprised if we see Moxley." Just something in me had the feeling that Moxley would be there. So I'm not gonna be surprised if all of a sudden we hear, you know, called the personality, all over the speakers, and all of a sudden you see Punk sitting there. I would but have to say. and if CM Punk's
0: not at all out, I think we can put this to bed that, you know, Sam yes. punk is in fact telling the truth and he is in fact <clears throat> not coming back to wrestling. Cause I mean, everything it would make such perfect sense, right? It's, it's in Chicago. It's, it's all out. It's the one year after all in, uh, it's the last pay-per-view before they start live television on TNT. Like everything is stacked in their favor for this to make sense. Um, but I think that if it doesn't happen, Look I, I can see it both ways if, it, if he shows up I'm not that surprised If he doesn't show up I'm also not that surprised um, yeah. I, I think it'd be amazing If he showed up Even if it was just for one night one appearance um, But if it doesn't happen I, I think that No one will be surprised
2: I mean I'll make a prediction right now Of who I think is going to be at all out And this okay. is just, I, I think Marty, Marty Is going to make an appearance Oh, that's interesting. When's his contract up? I think it's this summer. I I could be off on that, but the only reason why I'm saying that, I got an email today saying that him and Flip are going to have an appearance at the Pro Wrestling uh, Store that weekend.
0: Yep, that's happening. Yep. So Um, to me, Marty being there would be Marty being there would be you know that'd be big. Uh, CM Punk being there would be you know, <laughs> gargantuan. Like, I there's no one bigger. There's no one bigger in wrestling than CM Punk. I, and I, I actually can't think of another big free agent that if they showed up there, you know, the crowd would pop like they did for Moxley.
2: Oh, no, when Moxley showed up, I think I actually lost my voice.
0: <laughs> what side of the arena were you on?
2: We were on the side where where when you saw Moxley come down the, the aisle, we were on that side. Yeah.
0: Oh, so we. No, I was on the exact I, opposite side of you. Yeah,
2: because unfortunately was on my, my phone had co- shut off. No, oh, no. I
0: was on the side where the cameras were shooting from. So um, I saw some commotion, and my buddy kind of taps me on the shoulder like, Hey, look over there. And it was like our side of the arena saw it first because we saw him like coming down the stairs, and then the whole building started to see it. And it was like wild and then he jumped over the guardrail and got in the ring and yeah the crowd was as loud as it had been all night i mean that was such oh, a yeah. surreal moment and and to think
2: John we were there we were there for history yeah yeah that well i remember that night at that point my phone had shut off cuz i had no battery left cuz i had taken so many pictures that day and also, oh, right. I, was, I, was with, with, I was with a friend of mine, and he said same thing, tapping me on the shoulder. He's like, look who's here, look who's here. And I'm looking, and everybody's standing up. Now, I'm not a tall person, so you have somebody who's taller than me who's standing up. It's kind of tough for me to see. So, like, I'm trying to go around, <laughs> and I just see him walk right past me. I'm like, okay, this is really happening. Ah, oh,
0: awesome. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I, I honestly can't think of, you know, I, if – Enzo and Cash showed up that'd be cool, you know? That'd be cool. I but I don't think the place would go crazy. Um, you know, if 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 Sasha Banks
2: showed up, that'd be pretty big. Well, okay, speaking about that quickly. What do you, what do you what are you what's your opinion on the whole Sasha Banks situation right now?
0: I I think she's just trolling people. I think that uh, I think that perhaps she's unhappy and maybe she's just tweeting some things out or putting things on Instagram but if I had to guess uh, WWE is not going to let her go not going to let her walk so I, I, I would be very very surprised if we saw her anywhere other than WWE for a long time
2: Well, so you don't think this is going to turn out to be something where it was like with uh, Neville where he just sat out his contract and then also in a year like by the fall okay WWE has come to terms on the release of Sasha Banks
0: yeah, and this is what happened with uh same thing that happened with Moxley too. I mean it's possible. It She'd be a big guest. You know who else would be a big yeah. guest? AJ Lee. Imagine AJ Lee came out
2: at all out. That 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 wouldn't be too bad. That would not be that would not about be that, too
0: bad. If a J Lee if AJ Lee came out like early ish in the night, like to you know, early to the halfway point of the night. The entire rest of the show would be CM Punk Chance. And if CM Punk didn't show up, then we assume, well, CM Punk has to be there the first night of TV. He just has to be. And then he'd pop some major numbers because, you know, everyone would be expecting to see him on TNT. That would be a, that would be really
2: interesting. What, almost similar to how Lex Luger appeared when uh, Nitro started? When they were at hmm. Mall of America? Yeah, I-, I would think there you bigger. Go.
3: I would think bigger yeah. gentlemen much bigger imagine that opening riff of uh, cult of personality playing at all, all out oh my goodness that, that place is yeah. going to erupt
0: that would be the biggest you know the biggest return biggest free agent in, in maybe in the history of wrestling <laughs> and,
3: Oh, that would be such a dream come true for, for many fans Chris a question for you who would be your dream interview, past and present?
0: Well, it's uh, someone who's still present. Uh, Vince McMahon is my dream interview. Uh, and if you are a fan of if you're a fan of pro wrestling, you know, all every single one of us should want to shake his hand and thank him for you know what he's created. Um, and I'd love to, even if it was just ten minutes, I'd love to talk to Vince. and you know, just have a great conversation with him. I don't. I know he doesn't do a lot of interviews, um, but that's the one. I'm going to put that out there into the world and hope that one day it happens.
3: With the growth of your show, the Chris Van Fleet show on YouTube, listen. I, I liken you to um, what was his name on Off the Record? Uh, Michael Landsberg. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I liken you to him right now, with with your interviews they're so entertaining but these <coughs> videos are so fulfilling you watch them you watch the interviews you watch your your interaction with the uh, performers and I, I don't know i feel fulfilled i feel good after watching your show and that's why i strongly recommend it to my listeners and to my the folks in my mem members in my facebook group excuse me uh, because it is such a high quality show And I did briefly meet you there in Las Vegas, and I said, hey, Chris, I love the show. You waved at me, and I was like, all right, let me take a picture, because you know what? It is important to support people who are doing good in this community, and that's why we asked you on here, to express gratitude for what you do, but also because you are on a high trajectory. I feel, as your fan and as a fan of your show, that you are destined for bigger and better things, so continue on with what you're doing, and we're supporting you 100%.
0: Thank you very much. That, that means a lot to me. I mean, I'm just a wrestling fan like anybody else. Um, you know, the, the only difference is my background in television is you know, giving me some access, at least early on, to you know, a handful of wrestlers whenever Raw, or SmackDown, or Impact would come to town.
4: And the YouTube
0: thing was kind of an accident. You know, I was just putting my interviews on YouTube um, <laughs> because we only aired 15 or 20 seconds on TV, and I figured, well, I have some questions that I wanted to know the answer to as a fan. I'm sure that other wrestling fans would want to know the answer too. So I put them on my YouTube channel and it's grown into this, you know, crazy thing. And the more effort I put into it, the more we seem to get out of it. You know, it's been, it's been amazing. And now I'm driving or flying or doing whatever I can to make these happen. One, I know (laughs) that, you know, other people out there want to watch them, but two, it's also like pretty damn cool. like, you know, I was at Kelly Kelly's house two weeks ago. Like, I was inside Kelly Kelly's house. You know how crazy that is. Uh, you know, about? <laughs> uh, or the fact that like um, John Cena texted me when I set up that interview with him at WrestleMania. Like, that that still blows my mind. And the fan in me, you know, appreciates that so much. And the broadcaster in me, and the you know, a television host in me, you know. It's just super excited for it. So I thank you for, you know, spreading the word about my interviews and you know, I have no plans on stopping anytime soon. So if someone's listening to this and they aren't subscribed, uh, please, it would mean a lot to me if you subscribed, and we can be on this road together.
3: And your hey. show has now splintered off into a, a podcast, correct? Yeah.
0: And that's just, you know, I, I know that my interviews have been getting longer and longer and, that's something I've been really focusing on this year. Um, the longer the conversation goes, you know, the more chance for even more interesting stuff to happen. And I think people have just been asking for that. So I get that if your interview is 40, 50 minutes long, that's a long YouTube video to watch. I get that. And, uh, you know, you got to keep the YouTube app open unless you have YouTube Premium. So uh, a lot of people are saying, you know, can you make these available in an audio version? So it just makes perfect sense. It was just kind of a a natural transition to take the audio from my YouTube interviews and put them up in podcast form. So, you know, now you can uh, listen in while you're driving or you can listen while you're on the treadmill or, you know, a lot of people people listen at work. I'm not encouraging you to
2: listen at work and not do your job, but uh,
0: if you want to do that, I'm happy to provide the entertainment.
2: Well, Chris, I actually want to go back to one of the people you just interviewed recently, Eli Drake. And I wow. want to get your take. Were you surprised when he made his debut this past weekend at Best in the World? Yeah, I,
0: I knew he was going to land somewhere. Uh, I just didn't know uh, where. Um, I, I think that's a great spot for him to be. Look, Eli Drake is so talented, uh, both in the ring and obviously on the mic. Uh, Eli Drake's you know, one of the best on the mic uh, right now. He's going to thrive wherever he goes. Uh, I don't know how long his deal is with NWA, but uh, I'm happy for him, and uh, I'm happy that he wasn't unemployed for that long. It seemed like he was really enjoying his time off, uh, some time to be home, and uh, he was talking about working out a lot. And that's obviously something he does. I'm glad that he's back in it. And, uh, I'm glad he found a good home.
2: Yeah, just think about this stuff for a second. The top three guys right now, in nwa nick aldis james storm eli drake all former impact guys
0: yeah yeah well they're they're being used correctly in nwa i'm not saying they're being used you know badly in impact but you know we've, i think we've all known that impact has had some problems with booking in the past and i'm glad that they're in nwa and you know, we've seen Nick Aldis get used really, really well, and I hope it's the same with Lie Drake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually said on the show, we said if you look at a guy who's had a resurgence in his career, just look at Nick Aldis. The guy was, you know, had the Magnus gimmick in Impact, didn't lead him anywhere. He leaves Impact, goes under his real name of Nick Aldis, and he's pretty much been the backbone of the revival
3: of NWA. Yeah, he
0: really has been. that's a, that's a really good observation. Um, And his match with Cody, I think for a lot of people, you know, put him on the map or if you were an impact fan, put him back on the map uh, last year at all. out. I mean, that was a, a great match, an emotional match. And, you know, Nick Aldis's star just continues to rise from that match to where he is now.
2: Then the other thing also from, you know, from best in the world, was the reveal of the fourth member to Villain Enterprise? Were you surprised that it was Flip Gordon?
0: Well, I'm I'm just surprised that uh, I'm surprised that Flip didn't somehow work something out that he got into all uh, all Elite Wrestling. Like I just feel like I feel like that's probably going to happen because that's where his friends are. He obviously has you know been a big star being in the Elite. So I guess I'm just surprised that they're. Um, I guess giving him a, a, a big storyline like this when I mean I don't know what his contract looks like but I would have to think that uh, the second he's available to go to AEW we're going to see him in AEW. Oh
2: yeah, I'm not I'm believe me I'm not surprised. But just going back to Eli Drake, I actually met him when in Vegas. But it was actually <clears throat> it was actually kind of a funny story of how we met him. Me and my co-host Cruz we met him. We were we were at the McDonald's on the Vegas Strip. And okay. th- this is the one that was on the upstairs. Chris, I don't know if you, if you got to explore Las Vegas oh, yeah. when you were
0: there. Many times. So I, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking
2: about. And all of a sudden, we were sitting down. I had a soda in front of me. And I remember this, in, you know, to the T. And all of a sudden, I'm looking across the table for me at the next table, and I see this guy. I'm like, he looks familiar. And I've learned over the years because I've listened to a lot of you know wrestlers over the years who have always said oh if I'm out in public you know you know give me some space well that's so why I said okay I'll give him some space and it was actually my co-host who was the one who turned around to him and pushed for us to meet him that's how we met him at a McDonald's in Las Vegas oh that's awesome was he cool to you oh yeah he was incredibly cool yeah, we 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 apologized to his girlfriend a lot no. <laughs> She was a die.
3: sweetheart. She was a sweetheart. That was just a scenario where, uh, a situation where, you know, you, you have to just put on a big smile, be very charming and very direct. And, again, you know, hey, gratitude. And if if you're showing a lot of positive energy, I, it it affects other people. So,
4: yeah,
0: we were fine. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm sure that this happens to Eli and his girlfriend all the time. And
2: uh, I'm sure she's gotten
0: very used to it.
2: <laughs> but yeah that, That's my big story from, <clears throat> from Vegas but Last thing I want to get to regarding Double or nothing is the Cody Dustin match yes, I wrote an article for the website That I write for maybe a couple of Weeks after and I said That match in my opinion Should be looked at as a match of the year Candidate Would you, would you, be, would you agree or what are your thoughts on that
0: No 100% 1000% In fact, uh, we did the post-match interview with uh, Dustin Rhodes. And afterwards, I said, thank you, shook his hand. I said, that was match of the year. And Dave Meltzer was standing right beside me when I said that. And Dustin (laughs) goes, oh, well, you better tell Dave that. (laughs) And Dave goes, yeah, that was a really good match. Um, So I think that if, if the voting were to end today, I know it's only halfway through the year, but if the voting were to end today, that is match of the year. I mean, that match had everything. Uh, that match had emotion. Like, when was the last time you felt emotional about a wrestling match? I, I don't know the last time I felt emotional about a wrestling match. Oh, I, but, can, I can answer yeah. that question.
2: I can easily answer okay. that question. Well, not, not a match, more of a build-up to a match, though. WrestleMania okay. 30, Daniel Bryan taking on The Authority. Okay, yeah,
0: all right but there was you know, a different kind of emotion that's what go- than what's going on here. Like there were yeah. like grown men in, in the MGM grand garden arena that were crying. Um, oh, I, 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 I don't know. Right. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. It was just a lot of uh, you know, dust in the air. Yeah. It was uh, allergies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like I, I think that that match had it all. Like if, if a year ago or two years ago, you had said, um, Cody Rhodes and Gold Dust are going to main event uh, a, ma- a main event a show, you'd go, yeah, right. And then if I told you that's going to be the best match on the card, you'd also go, yeah, right. And then if I said that might be one of the best matches of the year, or, you know, very well could be the best match of the year, you'd also wouldn't believe me. But, you know, we saw Gold Dust wrestle, Dustin Reynolds, Dustin Rhodes wrestle in that match in a way that we've never seen him wrestle before. So, if that's not... Um, <coughs> Match of the year, man I am very excited to see whatever Match it's going to be that beats it in the next six months Because that's definitely match of the year For the first six months of this year
2: that, and I, I think it's going to be Very tough for any promotion WWE, AEW Impact, Ring of Honor To try and even top What those two did
3: Yep There's
2: I mean, No question you, you basically hit it right on the head before what match has ever caused grown men in the stands to start crying?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: It's, uh, that's <laughs> something special. And the fact that I, we were there to witness that live, pretty amazing. Oh,
2: that was incredible. I want to get your thoughts also quickly on, cause I know you, you were at fighter fest.
0: Did yeah. it
2: feel, did it feel different at fighter fest than it was at double or nothing? It definitely felt different. Um,
0: I felt different because the arena was smaller, uh, considerably smaller. I think that uh, there was a lot of anticipation leading up to double or nothing. You know, we didn't know what to expect, any of us. You know, I think that there was that real buzz of excitement in the air. Double or nothing was amazing. But what double or nothing, unfortunately, might have done was raise the bar too high. Uh, Like double or nothing, it's going to be really tough to top. And I think that they're, you know, they're aware of that. Um, so I think that that was what was different. Um, and the, the matches weren't, you know, they weren't as big marquee matches. Like, it definitely felt
2: like uh, it, was just, it just it
0: didn't have the energy that Double or Nothing had.
2: Oh, you, you like Michael Nakazawa versus uh, Alex Jabaili in the hardcore match? Well, that was, I just wish
0: that that match had, Taking place, I don't know, at another time because it was interesting. I'd interviewed Jimmy Havoc earlier in the day, and uh, I said to Jimmy, um, "I said, are we going to see? You know, you're you're the deathmatch guy. We're going to see some hardcore stuff in your match." And he's like, uh, "Probably not, but I guess you could. It's a four-way match. You know, I could I could bring some stuff out if you want." He said, "But." if there is already a hardcore match on the card and someone else has a hardcore match, it really takes away from the main event, hardcore match. I'm like, that's a really good point. Um, and I thought about that when, when the Michael Nakazawa match started and I thought, man, why are we, why are we seeing two hardcore matches? You know, even though there were different styles of hardcore matches and one was technically an unsanctioned <clears throat> match, uh, I just feel like, uh, because there was two it just kind of took a little bit of the zip out of the main
2: event just just a little bit i mean i could have easily seen a match like that you know michael nakazak not you know those two guys on like an episode of being the elite that's where i think it could have been
0: yeah but i think that uh, i think they wanted the payoff in front of the crowd like that and i'll admit as that match went on i got more invested in it like that match was pretty entertaining as it kept going on
2: well, no, my match, I thought was probably, especially if you look at the pre-show matches, was the triple threat match with the tag teams. I thought Private Party, SCU, and The Best Friends really showed that the tag team division of AEW is one of the top, if not the top, tag team division in all of wrestling.
0: Yeah, that match was strong. And all three of those tag teams you just named are so super over so when they announce this tag team tournament uh, for, you know, the tag team titles, we should all get pretty pumped because every single one of those matches is going to be awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, let me, speaking about that, who, okay, if you were Tony Khan, Eric, you know, Tony Khan, Cody, and all them, who would you have sure. win the tag team titles and become the inaugural tag team champions?
0: I think we'd be, I think we'd all be really surprised if the young bucks aren't in the finals. Now, if the young bucks are in the finals, I don't think it can be against the Lucha bros, uh, who are another amazing tag team, uh, because they have seen Lucha bros and bucks now twice. So maybe it's best friends. I mean, their best friends are really, really over. Uh, maybe it's SCU. I mean, they're really over, but I would, you know, I would, Really put some big money on the Bucks being in the in the finals for that.
2: Yeah, I can I can even see a scenario play out. Well, I don't know if you would do this though because I because what I was gonna say was have have it be private party, but then I just thought about it for a second. Private party is set to go up against the Young Bucks up here in New York at House of Glory uh in August. So I don't know if they would do that Right after those two teams go at it, but to me, I think it could be Eddie. I think this is the one time where it's there's no wrong answer because I think every one of those teams <laughs> could make yes, a legit argument for the title. No,
0: it's such a such a great way to put it because, uh, yeah, the, the tag team well, I call it tag team division, but they don't really have a division quite yet. But all the tag teams that we have seen over the two shows that AEW's AW, had have been phenomenal. So yeah, it's it's win-win for us as fans.
2: Yeah, it's <clears> – <throat> and then on the other side, who would you have win, Jericho or uh, Hangman Page for the title? I keep thinking about this, and, I,
0: I mean, it makes sense from a business standpoint to have Jericho, the well-known name in wrestling, uh, to bring in the casual fans that you mentioned earlier. Jericho's been on TNT programming before. Um, that makes sense from a business standpoint to have Jericho be the champion, you know, when the show starts um, from a wrestling standpoint, it makes sense to have Hangman, uh, you know, the young up and comer, the guy who uh, everyone thinks is going to be one of the faces of the company. Um, but once again, I don't know if you can go wrong with either one, like Jericho's super, super over, Hangman's super, super over as well. Uh, I think that that's going to be a great match, and I think that if MJF isn't the second or third champion, uh, that guy is so talented, even though he's not very nice. He's uh, very,
4: very talented,
0: (laughs) Uh, and I I think that MJF will be – so if if Hangman wins, I think MJF's the next person to challenge for it. They're kind of already teasing you know, what's going on there with MJF and Heather Page, So I, I could see that being the case, but then what does Jericho do? If Jericho doesn't win the title, I can't see Jericho being like a mid-card
2: guy. No. I mean, I could see a scenario play out where Jericho wins and they turn around to Page and go, look, you have to go through X, Y, and Z, and the last person that he has to go through before he gets his rematch with Jericho is MJF. I don't know why, but I yeah. think MGM played some sort of
0: role. Yeah, I I think that that
2: yeah that's that's probably probably a pretty good prediction. What one also because I know you also you do entertainment stuff as well. Now we've seen over the years. I've actually thought about this question earlier today. Over the years, we've seen movies come out about wrestlers. We obviously we saw the documentary about Andre come out. There's been talks about a movie about Hulk Hogan coming out. If you can t- pick any wrestler right now, in any of the promotions. What wrestler would you want to see meet, see a movie made about them?
0: Uh, I'd I'd love to see an Austin or a Rock movie. I think that that'd be fascinating, or a Vince McMahon movie. Um, I mean, if it was if any of those stories were told truthfully, I think it'd be fascinating to see. You know, to dive deep into the life of you know the the three you know three of the biggest characters of the Attitude era. Um yeah, you know, any, any any one of those guys and for me you can't go wrong.
2: I mean, I'm surprised realistically that they've never done like a movie based off the Monday Night Wars.
0: Yeah, I just feel like the audience would be so uh it'd be so dialed in there like, you know, if you're not a wrestling fan, you don't know what the Monday Night Wars is. And the cool thing about, like, like the movie they just made about Paige, fighting with my family, yes. you didn't need to even be a wrestling fan. You didn't need to know who Paige was. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people who saw the movie had no idea who she was. But the movie still was, you know, really well done and had a, a really good reception, both critically and at the box office. And I think that if you can do that, if you can find a story of someone who, who just, you know, you can latch on to, I think that that's where you win.
2: Well, do you think we're going to see more wrestlers because like we've seen it before we've seen Cena, Batista, and a few others here and there make the transition from the squared circle to the movies. Do you think we'll see more wrestlers in the years to come make the move?
0: Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, Because the blueprint before was set up by like Hulk Hogan and look at all the movies that Hulk Hogan was in, in the eighties and nineties, you know, they weren't, you know, they, no, no offense to Hogan he was in a lot of movies but they just weren't you know those great roles and they weren't great movies rock has completely changed the game especially in the you know ever since basically he got into the fast and furious movies fast and furious and then GI Joe and, and all these amazing great roles and he's kind of laid the groundwork for Batista who then laid the groundwork for John Cena kind of showing that wrestlers be more than just wrestlers in movies. Wrestlers can be in films that aren't just straight to DVD. And I think that, I think that if you were to ask The Miz, that's where The Miz wants to go. Um, I know that uh, Dustin Rhodes is looking, you know, to expand his acting career. I think there's going to be a lot more of this, and it's and it's all thanks uh, to The Rock.
2: Yeah, it's going to be something <clears throat> that will be interesting to see, but. Another thing I want to get to, I know you're in the whole communications field and I'm actually somebody who's an aspiring communications person. Obviously, I do this show. I, I write for a website. What tips would you give to somebody who's trying to break into the whole communications field? Well, I'd say you do it
0: right now. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there who talk about doing things.
2: I think it's very important to
0: actually get out there and do them. Like We live in a world now where you don't need to work for a TV station or radio station or write for a newspaper. Like you can make your own YouTube videos. You can have your own podcast. You can write for you know your own website. And I think that having that experience uh, really helps for me. Um, you know, I just basically knocked on as many doors as possible. Uh, I think that too many people are scared to ask, uh, you know, for an interview or asked for a job or whatever because they're afraid the answer is going to be no. And to them I say the absolute worst case scenario is someone says no. That's it. That's it. They just say no or they, you know, don't reply to your email. And I think that if you don't ask, you'll never know. So I think that just, you know, find something that you are passionate about and uh, chase after it. Find someone who's doing the job that you want to do. And reverse engineer where they are to where you are, you know, count back however many steps from where they are to where you currently are, and try to figure out how you can get to where they're at.
2: One last thing before we wrap this up for tonight. We, unfortunately, it happened after our show went off the air, but news broke about Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman taking taking the executive director's role of Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Were you surprised by this move? And do you think this is, or do you think this was a desperate move by the WWE?
0: I think we were all surprised by the news. Like, I don't think there's a single person uh, that was like, "Oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen." Um, and, now, with that said, I, I think it's exciting. I think it's—I uh, don't think it's a desperation move by WWE. I think it's a move by WWE to go. Uh, we are making a concerted effort to make a change um, and, and here you go this is the change that we are making uh, and I think that we saw on Monday and also Tuesday that things are a little bit different we're entering a new era um, I don't know what this new era is going to be called but we are we are entering a new era um, there's not a single wrestling fan on the face of the planet that went You Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff you could, get, you could do better than that there's no two better people in the wrestling world for these jobs. And I think that uh, I'm really excited to see what happens uh, in the next couple weeks and months. And I'm super excited to see what Bischoff does when SmackDown goes to network television on Fox in the
2: fall. We actually have one. We have we have a few fan questions submitted. We use yeah, okay. the hashtag, hashtag AskCZZ. It was, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of thought about it quickly. We, one of them we asked you earlier was about who was the most challenging wrestler you've ever interviewed. The other one we have here is this. Where was the best place you have ever done an interview?
0: I think the one that everyone's uh, thinking of is back of uh, Chris Jericho's car. It was pretty cool. Um, and that. <laughs> and that seems to be the one that uh, that seems to be the one that everyone talks to me about too. Like that was yes. that was kind of the interview this year as well that like really stepped things up. Like I've been doing I've been doing wrestling interviews on YouTube for eight and a half years. You know I I interviewed my first wrestler period in 2007. So that was 12 years ago. I, I mean this isn't new to me, but you know I've really I made really specific goals in the last year year and a half to do more of these. And when I met up with Jericho, he was doing a live podcast at like uh, at this event in Central Florida. And I got there, and there was a big line to get into the venue. And he goes, "Yeah, I think if I come out of the car, the crowd's going to go crazy, and we won't be able to do the interview." He goes, "Why don't we just do it in here?" And I'm like, "Okay." So he kicked his driver out, and you could actually see his driver pacing in the background behind like the uh, the car. And my cameraman got in the driver's seat, spun around, we shot the interview, and that was that.
2: Pretty cool. When it comes, like, since you we brought up interviews a lot, I've always been meaning to ask you this. When you do the interview, how long does it take, how long does the process take from when you do the interview to when the interview is up? How long does that process take?
1: Uh, it's, uh,
2: well,
0: first of all, it depends on, how far I've traveled for the interview. Like that Jericho interview, I drove four hours each way. Um, but if, if I were to be able to unload the right now, and I could start downloading the video and then ingesting the video on my computer. I edit all my own stuff, too. So I would say that by the time it's, you know, the longest process is probably just putting the video on the computer. Like, that's a long process of downloading that, editing it, rendering it. I um, and then by the time get it gets uploaded on YouTube, I'd say two to three hours. Probably if I, you know, if we were to do it as quickly
2: as we could, two or three hours. That's, that's, that's actually very interesting. But Chris, it has been an honor to have you on here tonight. I am a huge fan. It was an honor to meet you in Vegas. And again, it was an honor just to have you on the show tonight.
0: Wow! Thanks again, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, you know, best of luck with what you're doing. Keep up the good work, and uh, if you're at another AEW event or WWE event, I'd
2: love to see you guys again. Absolutely, and hopefully we can have you on again down the road. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. (laughs) I will. I will. Thank you, Chris, again for joining us this evening. All right, thanks, guys. Where can they? Yeah. Oh, I'm still here. Don't worry.
3: Well, um, um, I just wanted to ask really quick, where can our listeners find you on social media?
0: Yeah, it's my name, Chris Van Vliet, V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T, and that's, that's everywhere. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, on uh, my YouTube channel. And now, on the very <laughs> originally named show, The Chris Van Vliet <laughs> Show.
3: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thanks a <to> million, Chris. <laughs> All right,
0: guys, thanks so much. Have a good night. Have been a good a
3: answer. Answer. <laughs> that was awesome, John. <laughs>
2: that was fun. That was really fun. But
3: he's such a good person. Bring- he's such a good person, man. Um, you could bring the guys back, but I, I just want to say real quick, I, I truly meant that. His his show on YouTube, those interviews are fantastic. And if you are a wrestling fan it's this just adds to the whole enjoyment of this medium of entertainment, right and his show, I truly recommend it. It is a feel good feel good interviews. you always come out of it a little bit more informed, feeling a little bit better about this uh and like I said, the whole pro wrestling industry, yeah. uh, he's doing very good,
2: yeah, but <clears throat> Jeremy Mitch, you know welcome back, guys. What do you guys think of it?
1: He uh, a great guy. Well, Chris is a friend of mine down here, and he's every, it's everything I thought it would be. He's just a down to earth, regular guy who just loves wrestling. Yeah, uh, believe
2: me, I, I would have had him on, but I was like, he, I was like, it, it was getting good. Let's just put it that way. But we were talking about Fighter Fest before. Jeremy, you were there, so let's go through this. First of all, I'll ask I'll ask you, Jeremy, the same question I asked Chris. Somebody who was at Double or Nothing, they were at Fyter Fest. Did it seem different?
1: Slightly. Um, the crowd was fired up, though. I mean, it, Double or Nothing was just a special night. I don't think anything will ever compare to that. Uh, but the crowd was into it, yes. It it didn't have the buildup as it, it – you know, you didn't have Jericho there. But it still – it was a special night, though. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: (laughs) All right, so let's go go through this card quickly. We had the triple threat match to open up the pre-show, or the buy-in, let me rephrase it that way, with SCU, Private Party, and uh, Best Friends. Jeremy, let's start with you. What did you think of the match?
1: Great match, start to finish, and it really, no pun intended, was a coming out party for Private Party. The crowd went nuts for them. So, yeah, great match, and I think the right team won.
3: Cruise? I'm gonna concur. The right team won. Okay. Mitch.
4: I honestly, I was out. I did not see the pay-per-view. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but it sounds like from top to bottom, it was a, a really good card.
2: All right, so I'll. So okay, so let's go to the next one then. We had the, women match, the women's match of the pre-show, which saw Allie take on uh, Leva Bates. Jeremy, what were your thoughts? First of all, did the crowd really not get into the whole librarian gimmick?
1: Yes, 100%. For whatever reason, it just fell flat.
2: But what, I mean, what they did a good job trying
1: to build it up with him hiding in the tent. I mean, they, they did little things. They tried the promo. It just... I don't know if they didn't know the story; it just fell flat. Uh,
2: but what were your thoughts on the match?
1: It was okay. I mean, the two, you know, pros, those two. But I, I can't. It was probably one of the. I would say, if you ask me, of any match of the night, as far as the crowd reaction, that was probably the, the, the worst of the night. Cruz. I.
4: I hmm.
3: I, I, I can't answer this question. I can't. I, I just don't think along those lines. So, no.
2: Okay. I just felt with this match, I felt, because if you looked at the match originally, Cruz, we were, when we were previewing this last week, originally it was Kylie uh-huh. Ray who was supposed to take on of Bates. Yes. So, I don't know what happened with that, but I just felt this match had no build, it seems very flat, especially with the whole librarian gimmick. It seems... And this is the one thing a lot of people were talking about, like JD, Brian Zane from Wrestling with Regret. This is the one thing they were talking about is this librarian gimmick especially seems very WWE-esque. It seems a little too hokey. And the comment that a lot of them were saying was that they don't understand why a company like AEW would give the green light for for a gimmick like this when they're still trying to get their their feet, you know, in the water.
3: So I'm going to play the devil's advocate here and say that they're going to try different things. Some stuff is going to work. Some stuff is definitely going to get over. Some stuff is not. Uh, The match in and of itself, the wrestling between those two girls was pretty decent in my humble opinion. It wasn't worse than anything we've seen out there. wasn't spectacular by any means, but just good enough. Hey, this was her Ali's debut match. Okay, good. A good little start. Got one under your belt. We, inc- we improve from here. That's, that's why I, I don't have any negative feelings about it. Just kind of like, okay, this is where we start. We go forward from here. Yeah.
2: Alright. Uh, the main event of the pre-show, Sir Michael Nakazawa take on Alex Trebaley. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on this interesting match?
1: I, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, Nakazawa did a good job in the promo to start the match. That got the crowd into it. I thought Jabayli would get a bigger pop. He didn't. But it, it was—it it did its job. It was a good, fun match.
3: Cruz? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, the, the promo to, to kick everything off was outstanding. It definitely got everybody hyped. Uh, slow start but quickly picked up and by the end of the match which was only like 9 minutes and 30 seconds long I, I was totally satisfied so I, I'm okay with it I enjoyed it
2: well I know the comment everybody was saying was that this buy-in was not as good as double or nothing because when they made the oh, announcement yeah. today of the, of the buy-in for Fight for the Fallen which we'll get to in a bit, because I have a theory of what of what they're doing with that match. Everybody, everybody's comment was, "Well, at least it's better than what we saw at you know at Fighter Fest." But
3: and who is then, who exactly is saying this?
2: Yeah, good question. Uh, I saw it on on um some of the I forgot where I saw it now. I know I saw it in one of the Facebook groups I was in. That oh, because the, the, basically the in case people don't know the buy-in match for Fight for the Fallen will see Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janella in a six-man tag match against Sean Spears, MJF, and I forgot who the, oh Sammy Gavari. and Whoa. yeah, that's the that's the buy-in.
3: Okay, yeah. Which,
2: which is actually kind of funny when you think about, it. I'm going to talk about this for a second. After what we saw, we'll get to it in a little bit, I'm surprised they would put MJF with Sean Spears on the same team after what we saw happen later on. But like I said before, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, opening that, well, even before we get to that, I thought that one of the best parts was at towards, like, like I said, the matches were, were good. But I thought the best one was at the end, their last attempt to sell the event when they had Moxie come on and turn around and go and basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the extent of, well, I don't know what I'm going to do to get to Joey Janela. So it got you interested.
1: The crowd went nuts for that. I can vouch for that.
2: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. But let's start off with the opening match again. Wasn't it, this match wasn't terrible at all? Shima took on Christopher Daniels. <clears throat> I think this was Christopher Daniels' like first singles match in a couple of years.
4: Yeah, it memory a serves you right. He's like, oh, thank you. He's been, thank you uh, with uh, Frankie for a long time.
2: Yeah, but Jeremy, what what were your thoughts on this match, especially when you have two guys who have a long history together?
1: Yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. These guys go back, what, 20-something years, trained together? Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. tell these guys just know each other inside and out. Good, solid match, two good pros. And, yeah, I found it interesting that SEMA went over, but it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I give it a good score.
2: I'm not surprised that he went over for one reason. It gives – it can he can – obviously, I don't think he's going to get to put himself – into the title picture yet, but it definitely gives him momentum going into the fight for the fall when he is going up against Kenny Omega. It definitely gives him momentum.
1: Absolutely.
2: But, but, Cruz, what are your thoughts on the match?
3: Jeremy just hit it. it just He took my words right out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Great match, a great match by two pro wrestling yeah. masters there, and I, and I enjoyed the match. I mean, yeah. One more is there to say about it. Yeah.
2: Well, next we had... We actually had a triple threat match with the women that actually stayed as a triple threat match. They didn't turn into a fatal four-way. <laughs> as Rihu took on Yuka... Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce her last name. And Nyla Rose. Uh, Riho went over. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on this?
1: It's funny. I got a quick, funny story about this match. I had decided if there was going to be one bathroom break for me in the night, it would be this match. So I did a quick bathroom break, came back thinking I hadn't missed much, and my friend told me, I had haven't missed much. And that match picked up in ways I didn't expect it to. And really, Nyla Rose stole the show in that match to me. I mean, she really proved she can, you know, go with two girls that are just fast and athletic like that. So that match really surprised me.
4: And well, that the
2: was one great thing, The one thing I would say though is, even though because Nyla Rose did perform at Double or Nothing, I think this was Nyla Rose. No pun intended here. I think this was her coming out party because 100%. Uh, because when we when she was at Double or Nothing, she didn't really get to show a lot of herself because Awesome Kong m- made her debut. Being that she was this match of two people who were faster than her, it really allowed her to really come up and. Almost, what was the comment? I forgot how they phrased it, but I think the comment I heard from somebody was this is what WWE wishes Nia Jax was.
1: Oh, interesting.
3: To, to not only I that, meant. not only that, John, but to silence her critics, who these transphobic people who have a problem with Nyla Rose being in the women's division, but to silence these fools. <coughs> Look, she can wrestle, she can wrestle well with women who are half her body weight, smaller than her, but faster, and to wrestle well and safely. And she can do it. She's a professional. So shut up with the criticisms, the stupidity. That's what that match, that's the message that that match sends out. Shut the fuck up already.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, next match we had up here was actually a match that Chris was kind of talking about before, which was the Fatal 4-Way between Adam Page, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and everybody's favorite pain in the ass, MJF. I'm going to take this one first. I was not surprised at all that Adam Page won this. They are really trying to, to give this guy a lot of momentum going into his match with Jericho and All Out. I know it was announced that he has a match at Fight for the Fallen with Kip Sabian. So I expected him doing that one as well because they they want to make him look legit going into All Out. Jeremy, what were your thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I think it was booked the way we would expect and properly done. Uh, Havoc had his cool spots, but the right guy won, and MJF looked strong. He's the guy. His he nailed it with that promo. Jungle Boy Jungle Boy was fantastic in the match. He's probably he would have been the least talked about guy in the going into the match. Uh, mm-hmm. Fabulous match.
4: Well, actually, uh, is it, isn't is MJF uh, John from Plainview uh, or something like that? Yep. He trained at Creative Pro Wrestling
2: in Excel. Oh yeah, really? I
4: didn't know
2: that. Yep. But Jeremy, I want to get your I want to get your take cause this because this was one theory that was brought up. Could you see a possibility? Of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy joined in the tag team division?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Oh yes. <laughs> they have made a t shirt of the two of them, they've been hand in hand absolutely. Now, I'm, they curious have see they, together.
2: I'm curious to see if they become one of those other teams that get put into this tournament when you know, when AEW gets TV TV uh T V land come the cruise What were your thoughts on this? fail four-way.
3: Excellent match. Like Jeremy said, everybody got their spots in. Hey, everybody looked good. I thought MJF looked really strong. He, he's definitely working his way into being the number one heel in the company. Havoc, hey, he's Mr. Hardcore. He came out looking okay. Adam Page is safe. On the right trajectory, a ma- major contender for that title, and this dynamic between Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus—I mean, there's already a catchphrase for it, right? A boy and his dinosaur. I could just imagine the T-shirts coming out from that alone. This was good. This match was good. This was... there's there's nothing there was nothing wrong that I saw with this match. Yeah, even uh,
1: even I, Justin I, Roberts' nice little touch when he said uh, about Jungle Boy riding in on Luchasaurus' shoulders. I mean, it's just it's got a lot of money written on this.
2: Oh yeah. You see, did you guys see the picture? I, I think I saw it on Facebook. Of, they got a picture of Luchasaurus standing in the the ramp area, in the tunnel, with Jungle Boy on his back, already on his shoulders, but on his back, waiting for MJF to finish his promo. I
3: literally yeah. saw the whole thing. Look at that. <laughs> he German waited the there. whole time
1: there. I mean, I was, it was directly... Not to interrupt, sorry, guys. I was you know, my seat was directly across from where he came out. He waited on his shoulder the entire prom.
2: Yeah, that really, you know, that shows you dedication. But let's get now to one of the matches I was very curious to see play out, and that was Cody taking on Darby Allen. And nobody won this because it went to the 20-minute time limit, but I think this match put Darby Allen on the map. Because it shows oh, yes. that, he can, that he can compete with some of the top guys. And you know, some of the people, when they were talking about this match, kept calling him Darby All-In. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: I guess I guess any, you know, I, I, I think that's still positive attention. So he deserves it. Like you said, he's on the map in a big way. And, uh, and look at the, everything that he is. He's a young guy. Very hardcore so he appeals to the guys, the young men uh, hell, he appeals to all the guys up there who who are watching the show and an attractive young man right? So hey, the the female fans are going to be attracted to him just money, money, money is written all over this guy
2: Jeremy, what were your thoughts on this match?
3: What should happen
1: in wrestling? Cody's a star we know that what did he do? He took a match against a guy who, I hate to use the word relatively unknown, but outside of the hardcore base, he is unknown. And he got his stuff in. He looked like a million bucks. And they, I liked the draw. I didn't see it coming. And I think they're setting up something down the line.
2: Well, what was funny was there was a part of the match where Darby Allen went for the trust wall onto the side of the ring that somebody yes. actually... Re voice that whole thing up with that superhuman kid, the one who jumps off the, um, onto like barbed wires and all that. And you can see the video, I'll try to see if I can find out, post in the Powerbomb group. But you see, he goes, he goes to the trust fall and as he's going down, it's like, fuck this shit! And he just, (laughs) you hear him hit the floor. It was, but it's just so funny that they were able to link this up, but. I mean there's really not, And then I know <clears throat> after the match, Cody tried to get another five minutes and they wouldn't allow it. But I really I thought this match was good. Then we'll talk about the next part of this match. The I don't know if you can call it a heel turn or a whatnot, but the chair shot heard around the world. Jeremy, you were there. Was was it that was it taken that well, let me put it this way. What was the reaction of the crowd when Sean Spears came in? with the chair shot.
1: Well, it was interesting because normally when a guy makes an entrance, all eyes are on them right away. But people were focused on Cody, like he just talked about asking for the five minutes. And I even had to tell people, look who's coming, look who's coming. And then Cody just turned to him. You knew it was going to happen. But Cody just, I mean, obviously, look what happened, but he hit the ground like Hogan did against Shawn Michaels. And the crowd just Lost their
2: breath. But do you guys think this is the lead to something down the road?
1: Hundred percent. They have a 17-year storyline built up. <clears throat> How often do you okay. have this?
2: None. None. But and I, I don't know if you had
1: up? a chance, but check Sean Spears' Twitter tonight. It was—he's building it up.
2: Oh yeah. I wonder if they're gonna do something at all out.
1: My guess too.
2: That's what I'm thinking because doesn't Cody have already have a match fight for the fallen?
1: Yes. And so, I doubt he wants to insert himself in the title picture right away.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I agree. I concur.
2: I wonder. I actually wonder if they're going to use that. They're going to have the match at all out, and use that as one of the feuds for when they go to TV. <laughs>
3: I think it would be hot. Yeah. It
1: would be hot. You, you can tell I'm I, sure I, Cody and him have wanted this for a long time.
2: Uh, well supposedly I I saw some sort of video that they did the exact same spot when they were both in FCW.
1: I believe so. They have I mean it I think first match and OBW was against John Spears. I mean the history yeah. they have is unbelievable.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Cruz, what were your thoughts on the whole chair shot Heard around the world?
3: You know what it's this is what it it sent this message that they are not p g that this is <laughs> for a, a little bit of an older crowd this is, they might might not be for children uh parents you know, advisory is a must here uh look it looked gruesome i i I know Cody is tough I he's he's an athlete competitor listen. This looked cool on TV and That it happens it's unfortunate, but because it did happen. Okay, let's accept it for what it is It looks good. It looks gruesome. There's a story brewing. There's a payback coming <laughs> And I'm gonna be plu- glued to my TV willing to watch it, right? So they need to capitalize on it
2: Well, supposedly was it Tony Khan who said it in the in the um, when they had the media thing that yes, that is. was or that it was not planned for? One
1: hundred percent.
4: Yeah. I I saw that uh, I saw that shot um, on uh, Facebook the other day, and I'm like, You know he really didn't hit him that hard, but but um, seeing that shot he reminded me. Of uh, <coughs> watching like all the old school wrestling, like ECW and all that stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, this is actually legit. Like he might not, he might be actually hurt, and I'm like, he's not, he's okay. But you know, it was just one of those shots where you're just hurt, like, rival World.
1: Well, yeah. did you guys see Nick Jackson's interview? After the show? Yeah. 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 So that was, that was no. interesting what he said about it. Yeah, that was
2: supposed yeah. to be a gimmick shot, I think?
1: Yeah, he pulled the curtain back. Because uh, the reporter said to him, so what do you think about that unprotected chair shot? And he said, if that's what you want to call it, I'll leave it at that. And then he came back later and said, listen, it was supposed to be a gimmick chair. It just didn't work out right. And it was Cody's idea. <laughs>
2: uh, hey. I mean, the guy got hit in the head with a chair. You saw you saw all the blood coming out of the back of his head. He had 12 staples, no concussion, and was able to call, be, you know, behind the stage for the rest of the show. So, he must have done something. Right. But let's get now to your co-main, co-main event as the Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson took on the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. First of all, Bruce, did you hear? The, w- that we're gonna rematch with these two these two teams <laughs>
3: <laughs> i wonder where <laughs> maybe in mexico at triple mania yep. 27? <laughs> the main yeah. event the main event of that uh triple mania in mexico Laredo kids and the lucha bros versus the elite and Omega and the young bucks hey but just talking about fighter fest how cool was that for uh the Young Bucks to come out as Ken and Ryu, and yeah. for Omega to come out as a Akuma. <laughs> that, so that, that touched. That pulled on the heart springs of every gamer everywhere. <laughs> Crab went nuts there for that. And
1: I Props. thought they timed that match perfectly, because I thought that was going to be the main event.
2: No, so they I, did a good I, job I had... putting that where they did. <laughs> what what? Yeah, What's the
4: main uh,
2: We'll get to Mitch. We'll get to that in a little bit, um, but Jeremy, that was the same thing they did when they when for double or nothing. Was every match was placed perfectly on the card? So with the way this match was, the way these matches were set. I wasn't really surprised. I mean, looked like they did a double or nothing. When your last three matches, we were. I mean, you were able to separate it with Bret Hart coming out to introduce the world title, but you had your last three matches were. Uh, Cody and Dustin, and I'm talking about double enough in fighter press. Cody and right. Dustin, the Lucha Brothers versus um Young Bucks and Omega versus Jericho. So when you had this as your as your semi main event, I was like, Okay, this is this this shouldn't come as a surprise. Now let's get to the main event. Oh actually Yeah, let's get to the main event now. As we saw the debut or the reemergence of John Moxley taking on Joey Janela in a non-sanctioned match, did anybody else's feet hurt after the thumbtack part?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think they did a great job, even right before the match when Justin Roberts said that was the last match for all elite wrestling. Now it's time for a non-sanctioned match, and the way they shut the lights off and turned it back on they set yeah, it up
2: perfectly I, yeah but this match th- this match to me could have been in the old school ECW era. era like i'll be honest i was surprised nobody went on fire in that match absolutely i mean i'll be honest Great match. i mean you got two guys in Joey Janela and John Moxley who basically were going to rip each other apart. And knowing what Moxie has done, you know, before he became Dean Ambrose, know what Joey Janela is capable of doing, I'm surprised we didn't see, like, you know, a table go on fire spot or some something where fire was included. Because I really thought that's where they were headed. Just, but the- yeah, you, you can see that <coughs> you can see that on YouTube probably, or you can Mitch, if you have the uh, Bleacher Report Live app, you can get yeah, on there. Uh, I don't have the, entire, I have the Bleacher
4: Report app, I, don't, I just don't have the Live app.
2: Yeah, it's, if you get the Live app, that's where you can get uh, Double or Nothing, you can get Fighter Fest. you can probably right. get, that's probably going to be their home for right now for yeah. all their pay-per-views. Right. I'm just down on you right now, you
4: the Bleacher Report Live app.
2: All right, but Jeremy, what were your thoughts on the whole the match in itself?
4: I'm an
1: old school ATW guy. I thought it was great. Uh, I'm happy and really happy that Joey's now the to be in a main event in the second ever AW show. I thought it delivered. Yeah,
2: yeah, really. Cause, and this is the thing they always say though, you don't you don't always have to have your main event match be a title match. Especially right now, where it really, there is only one title. But Cruz, what were your thoughts on the match?
3: It takes me back to those days of seeing Sabu and Terry Funk going at it. It, it, this was, uh, this was disturbing and amusing at the same time. That's that, that, conf- those conflicting emotions were going at full one hundred percent at the same time it, within me. Like I'm like, ugh. But I can't stop watching because this is so good. And maybe it's the shock because uh, a lot of other wrestling has been so soft for so long. Ah, ex- extreme bullshit. Uh, but I digress. You know, this was actually... There's no question that John Moxley is tough. Dean Ambrose was a shadow of what this guy is now. So th- we could... Lay those uh, stereotypes and, and to rest at this point, right? Mox is definitely legit. He is hardcore. He is balls to the walls and <laughs> entertaining. Great main event. I'm also happy for Janela. Hey, that boy's up there. And overall, I'm going to say, man, this was extremely, extremely good. Uh, not as good as Double or Nothing, but up there as well. Great pay-per-view for, let's be quite honest, this is the equivalent, if if I had to compare this to WWE, this is the equivalent of a house show for a promotion that doesn't even have a TV show yet. They don't have a syndicated program yet. So, for what they are, they over-exceeded expectations.
2: I mean,
1: you know, I'll, 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 I'm sorry. I'll, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, what kind of message does that send to the locker room when... We would say, what, is the top two or three guy there. Would you guys agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Definitely one of the top two or three highest-paid guys, and doing what he did in that match. That has to fire up the locker room to say, if this top guy is doing this, we have to step our game up each and every time.
3: Good point. Good point.
2: You know what's funny? And going back to ECW again, I forgot who I was. may have been busted open uh, within the last couple of weeks. And they were talking about the old ECW days, or not even that. If you listen to any of the old ECW guys, Taz, Sabu. The one thing they all made the same comment on is that the locker room was. Yes, they were a family, but they were a competitive family. Yeah. And I think we're going to see that with AEW. I think we, they're going to be. They're going to have this. You know, we're a family mindset. But I guarantee you, you're going to have guys who are going to sit there and go, okay. You know, Moxley just did this. Well, I have this. This is my next match. How can I top what he did? And last thing I'm, last thing I'm going to say now. We see what what they did with Moxley and Janella. What the hell are they going to do when they do Jimmy Havoc and Moxley? As in the interview with Van Blee, supposedly Mox, uh, what was Havoc turned around and asked for Moxley to be in AEW. So you know damn well they're brewing a, a match between those two. We saw what they did with Janelle and Moxley. I can only imagine what the what, how far they're going to go with uh, Havoc and Moxley.
3: The possibilities are endless and, and stuff just, we haven't just, seen just, before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who knows?
2: Like I'll legitimately say this right now: Are we going to? Not that I wish this on anybody. I want to make that perfectly clear. But could there be a good chance that we can see somebody die in this patch knowing just how far these two guys are willing to go.
3: No, they're professionals. Oh. No.
1: Yes. No. Thank you, Cruz. No.
3: Yeah, they're professionals that, that
1: <laughs> that's, that's I, I <laughs> they're they're corporate guys now too, so y you gotta know how to total line.
2: Yeah, no. oh no. Yeah, I I yeah, I realized as I was saying that I'm like, this is stupid, but it was ready to come out of my mouth. So I said, let me just go for it. So I,
3: <laughs> okay, oh, oh. so let me ask you, John, because you've had a lot of questions for us. You had three big pay per views in the span of a week Stomping Grounds, Best in the World, Fighter Fest. Which one did you enjoy the most, the least, and why? Real quick. Uh,
2: the most was Fighter Fest, least was Best in the World. Okay. Is kind of in the middle.
4: I'll, give, I'll give a quick, a quick read. I thought
2: I thought when it came to best in the world I thought a lot of matches Went as expected And I thought the main event Was done very poorly in my opinion And could have easily Extended that Where you don't make Jeff Cobb look like a joke Like they ended up doing Friday night
3: Okay Okay
4: and I, and I totally
2: forgot about that review. I'm so pissed I missed it. You didn't miss much, Mitch. But Cruz, let me—I'll okay. I'll throw the question right back at you. Cruz, what about well, what about
3: for you? Uh, Fighter Fest, enjoyed the most. I am very satisfied with that one. Uh, Enjoy the least. I'm gonna have to say Stomping Grounds. The first half of Stomping Grounds was pretty good. Last half was just. <laughs> best in the world seemed a little bit better to me.
2: Jeremy, what about you? What
3: Cruz just said.
1: Everything he just said. (laughs) And I'm a little biased because I was at Fighter Fest. I always say it's nothing like being there live. (laughs) But what Cruz just said, yes, perfectly.
2: (laughs) All right, so now it's funny because when I was originally going to put this outline together, I didn't want to talk WWE. And then a certain co-host of mine pretty much, not begged, but kind of pushed for it. So we'll get into some WWE talk right now. This past Monday was the beginning of the Paul Heyman era as executive director.
4: Oh,
3: I mean. If you did
4: not, what's wrong? You're an idiot.
3: I, I, mean, know, I, I didn't because I worked early. I work okay, well. at six in the morning <laughs> I'm sorry I, I go to bed <laughs> around eight o'clock <laughs>
4: you, know, uh, it's fun. you know I was and I said to myself and this is the first time that I watched Raw in like months because you know it's been stale. and like you said I, I saw ground you know I watched I watched this stuff for the, the universal title match because I knew that that was gonna be a squash of a match. But from like you said, from like the first halfway halfway point was good until, you know, that second part. But, you know, seeing from Strowman throwing Bobby Lashley through through the you know entrance well, I was like, Oh my god, what's gonna happen, you know, from there on out and I and I said to John, I said, Listen, hey buddy I'm like, Listen, Raw is going to be in our area, you know, the next two weeks, and if, and I, I'm I'm working for- I'm working late on Monday. But you know, if you want to go to the coliseum and see how it goes, you know, as Raw was from start to finish, one of the best shows I have seen in a long time. Well,
2: I, I mean, I saw most of it. I wouldn't say it was one of the best shows because I still think they had a few flip ups here and there, but it was it was a better improve it was it was improved show from what we've seen the last yeah. couple of weeks. It was definitely improved. I wouldn't say it was one of the best ones, especially the fact I, th- I yeah, obviously I thought the one of the better moments was the opening match where you had the Falls Count Anywhere match and Showman nearly killed Lashley. I don't know
4: if was gonna be a stale match. Oh no, I, I had a feeling with
2: that match that it was going to lead to some sort of n- a non finish, so then they can pick that up and have something at Extreme Rules. Right. But Cruz, Cruz, and Jeremy, what were your guys thoughts on the the big holy shit moment of Raw?
1: I thought it was well done. I, mean, I got to give it to credit too. Um, I thought this during the show and I heard Taz talk about it today he thought and I said the same thing too it would have been more effective during the show if they had left it the way it was after Braun and, and Bobby went through that the fact that they fixed it and it was like it never happened I, I didn't get that so I don't know if that was one of the flip you were talking about
2: yeah that was um, that was one of them
1: but the beginning and the end were good it, you know for them it was a good episode yeah,
2: well, yeah that, that's what I said it wasn't one of the best ones it was an improvement on what we've seen. 100%. Uh, Cruz, what about you?
3: I have no judgment whatsoever. All all I saw was YouTube highlights of that, of uh, Strowman and Lashley going through (laughs) the screens, and that's it. Uh, I'm sorry. This week, early bird schedule. (laughs) I was out of it.
2: Well, you you missed Corey Graves uh, going over the uh, speaker, and they didn't bleep it out when it had happened when no, I didn't. saw it live. And well when I saw it live and they turned around and and you hear Corey Graves after, you know, the three or four explosions goes off, you hear Corey Graves goes, Holy shit
4: right over the airway
3: <laughs> Well, it sounds like it was it was a good week for WWE and this is all part of the AEW effect. We wanted Absolutely. them to improve. If they're improving, kudos. Well, kudos, kudos
2: I actually have one last question I want to get to, And I want to get the answer from all three of you guys The last couple of weeks We've seen Aleister Black sit in a room Asking somebody to take a fight with him And then we saw I think it was not this past week But the week before We finally got a knock at the door They didn't show who it was So then it was announced that Alistair Black Will be taking on this set opponent At
3: Extreme Rules
2: let's start off with you. Who do you think will be the one to answer his challenge?
3: I'm gonna say Rusev. Rusev is absolutely doing nothing. He is still somewhat over. He would be—he's experienced enough to introduce Alistair to this new level of WWE, and it would be a perfect entry rivalry for Alistair to just get over and over and over. So Rusev.
2: You. Jeremy, how about you?
1: Uh I would say Bray Wyatt. Uh, actually, you, well, I just think from the fun house to Alistair Black's house it, it would be a cool cool segue. And if I don't Mitch, say anything else, crews have a great time in Dallas.
3: Thank you. Thank you, sir. I will.
2: No, we'll get to the final th- We'll get to the final thoughts a bit, but Mitch, what about you? Who do you think answers Alistair uh, Black's know, challenge?
4: Yeah, I I I could see Bray Wyatt. We haven't seen him. We we haven't seen him in a while either. You know, like you said, like Cruz, like you said about Rusev, like they've been in, you know, for for a few years, and you know he's coming up, and I could just see that whole, you know, gimmick with the black and black, you know,
1: together.
2: Well, I actually. I'm going to go with Jeremy on this one. I also think it's going to be very Wyatt because I don't know if anybody else had the same feeling of Joker versus Batman <laughs> with, you know, Wyatt and
3: Aleister Black. <laughs> but that's, what I'm, <laughs>
2: that's, that's the feeling I'm getting is that it's going to be a Batman versus Joker type of... Because all of a sudden it was, well, you know, let me in, let me in, and, you know, all that. And then all of a sudden, I mean, and we haven't seen Bray Wyatt. They haven't done a Firefly Funhouse in a couple of weeks. So I think this would be perfect. And you want to talk about a storyline that would be fresh and new and out of the field. This would be your storyline right here. But let's get quickly down to final thoughts before we wrap it up for tonight. Uh, Jeremy, we'll start off with you. Final thoughts.
1: Uh. Once before I get any final thoughts, thanks again for having me. It's always a blast talking with you guys. Um, I'm excited for the G one. I'm glad it's in America. Cruise you're gonna have a blast there. And I think New Japan is, is keeping the ball going well to go along with AEW. Yeah,
2: it's gonna be a very interesting you know very interesting pay per view with both of those. Uh Mitch, what about you? Final thoughts?
4: Uh yeah, cruise I mean. I wish I was going to that card. Uh, that card sounds amazing. And like I said, on August 3rd, uh, A is going against AEW. So you have all these companies who are doing so well now that you don't even have to watch WWE anymore.
3: Yeah, Cruz? I'm just glad that, you know, June turned out to be such a phenomenal month for wrestling from NXT TakeOver 25 through the Super Showdown, Dominion 6.9, uh, the stuff in Mexico, Stomping Grounds, Best in the World, Fighter Fest, Super Southern Showdown, New Japan. Now we're getting into the big leagues now. Now we're getting into the G1. Now the bullshit stops. Now the five-start matches are going to come on. Okay? The best wrestling is going to come on. And July will just get better. And August will just get better. And the WWE had no choice but to improve and they're doing it this is what we've been wanting for five years I'm glad I'm glad every wrestling fan should be happy right now
2: oh, yeah, I'm blaming. And,
3: and I'm gonna check out Go slam too I'm gonna check out slam in oh, Japan yeah. uh, nice. if you're in the if you are listening and you are in the power bomb group we've got excellent we've, we're giving away the United States replica title in July. The Universal Replica Title in August for our contest, so you got to check those out.
2: Absolutely, and I think I gotta I gotta say this right now. I gotta send a big thank you out to Christian Bleed for joining the show this evening. He was such a blast. It was it was nice to talk to somebody who is in the wrestling field, but who's still a wrestling fan at heart. And I gotta thank all three of you guys for joining for for coming on board tonight this this was really i mean these 2 hours went by so fast and yeah, like i had said, like i had said in the beginning Mitch and Jeremy I don't know if you guys heard but last week the show we did was our highest listened show ever
4: uh, wow so Congrats.
2: we you thank you so we're Making strides. I mean, we have. We're starting to kind of build a, you know, a fan base here. So we'll see what happens. But it's time for us to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, Uh, Coming up next
4: week, John. I don't know if you saw my um my thing that I I sent you on on the uh, instant messenger that the Coliseum is doing a buy one get one free for WWE. So, I don't know if it's the cheap tickets. I don't know if it's for the expensive ones. But they're not doing the arena. They're, they're, they're not
2: filling the arena. No, well, I'll definitely take a look. Unfortunately, I couldn't look at it today so, because today was the big Facebook crash of 2019.
4: Yeah, but, it was bad today.
2: But, But, no, basically, it was fun. This was a fun show tonight. Next week, we'll definitely talk g One. We'll talk slam-iversary, and we will probably, I'm um, probably going to have some sort of preview for for the following, 'cause because that's what's coming up in two weeks for AEW, so yeah, it's going to be a fun couple Glad of weeks to coming you. up. But, Jared, anybody else has anything to say before we, we say goodnight?
1: Uh, thanks again for having me. Yep, a week from Saturday, AEW is back on the... Uh... On the brain, so excited for that.
2: And we'll probably have you on again, Jeremy, to preview uh, Fight for the Fallen.
1: I'm sorry? Yeah.
2: No, what I would say is we're probably going to have you on again to preview Fight for the Fallen.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to be there.
4: But, four cruise, How much? Yep. This is a lot of (laughs) flops.
2: Okay. Take three here. For Cruz, for Jeremy, for Mitch, I'm John, IWC. You guys know what you can do. And we will catch you guys next week on the fallout from the G1 Night in Dallas and from Slammiversary. But, again, thank you guys for listening, and have a wonderful
4: night.